Welcome to the Caged Vision Show, where each week we talk about one thing, putting your vision to work. So whether you're the CEO of a large company, maybe an executive within a large company, maybe you're a small company, maybe you are an entrepreneur that is just getting started. Each of you has a vision for where you want to go in the future, and we talk about how to get there, how to put that vision to work. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Caged Vision Podcast with Carrie Rome and Lisa Shuck. Lisa Shuck. Are you so proud? Two weeks in a row that I've gotten it correct. I love it, love it. And you know what? You know what I love about it, Lisa Beck? I'm scared to ask. It's not the status quo. Nice. How about that? Wow. That's good. What are we talking about today? We are talking about the fact that status quo is not the risk-free option. In other words, you can't just stay the same and do what you've always done and say, I'm not taking any risk. Because in reality, that's probably the biggest risk of all. And we're going to get into this because, because even with successful companies, their vision starts to become caged because they start to get settled into this status quo And they start to drink their own Kool-Aid and they start to believe and they start their terminology changes and the way they interact with people changes. And they really, really make strategy super complex and in this sort of space that nobody really can understand. And so people do what they've always done, believing that, you know, that's going to get us there, too. So anyway, we're going to I don't want to spoil everything. That was sort of like a, a trailer. That was a trailer. That was a pretty good trailer. Yeah. Sure. I wonder, can we have a trailer for a podcast? I don't think so. But we should. Today, today on the episode, we're going to talk about the status quo. It's not the risk-free option. How the status quo happens. Why the status quo is so sticky. And what to do about status quo. Excellent trailer. Yeah, there we go. There you go. All right, so let's jump into it. So, how does this status quo thing happen? Well... People drink their own Kool-Aid. You know, they get a little full of themselves. They're like, hey, we are rock stars. We got it going on. And you know, the funny thing about that is it doesn't happen until you're successful. But as soon as you're successful, because you don't drink your Kool-Aid when you're failing. You're like, oh, got to figure something else out, right? But when, as soon as you start to achieve a little bit of success, you start to believe and just tell yourself these things over and over and over again. And when you do, you start to fall into the status quo. And even if you're an entrepreneur, it, every business started somewhere. They, they achieved success and they fell victim to this. So the first thing is recognize that you're drinking your own Kool-Aid. And if you're into this all pat on the back stuff, you're probably drinking Kool-Aid. I would say so, yes. Yep, yep, yep. Number two. What got you here will get you there. Believing that what you've done so far is all you really need to do to continue moving forward. It worked last year. So it'll work this year. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Banks are the prime example of this. Do tell. Because they say that, um, well, this is what we've always done and this is what works. When in reality, with technology and the way that marketing is moving forward, it's just, it's not the same anymore. We do, have to do things differently. Do you think that there is a, um, it's a conservative nature 
of of bankers. Yes. Not, I mean, we're going to look at what what is factual and proof of based on last year, and what it keep th- on doing what we did last year, so we keep on growing. Yes. Do what we did last year. Yep. And everyone else that's bringing new technology to the market is how do banks embrace that? How do they look? Well, at that? I think now banks for for a while, I think they didn't, but I think now they realize that they have to embrace this new technology, but it's a lot harder than you would think it is for a bank to do that for a variety of reasons that we will not go into on this podcast. But I do think that bankers are so risk averse by nature that it's so easy for them to maintain the status quo because they think that's the risk-free option. Mm, and oh Gosh, and, and it's so not, but the thing, the, banks do have a bit of a window of opportunity to sort of um, not just be completely blind to what's going on in the marketplace because there is a regulated environment. Yes. It's not like you can just start doing something without falling under regulations. That doesn't mean that things aren't going to get, aren't going to get disrupted. And slowly you're, they're going to take away things that used to be sticky for your customer and they just take one, one little thing at a time and then... You know what I'm thinking, though, as we talk about this? Because I'm really not trashing banks, because let us all remember, I am a banker. You are a banker through and through. Um, I think it may be indicative of a lot of companies that are solid and are successful and maybe have large market share that they get so entrenched Mm. Oh, that was so nice. That was that was pretty smooth. Yeah. In trench, they make trenches, and the trenches they dig them so deep that you can't see what's going on because you're so burrowed down into what you're doing. You're moving forward, but you're burrowed down into a trench, and you can't see what's going on around. Do you have? You. Do you, have um, you ever had moles in your yard? Yes. I hate moles with a passion. I know. I know. And I hate. It's kind of like that, though. Kill them. Yeah, they're hard to kill. They are hard to kill. Um, but it's sort of like that. Yeah. Right. You're yeah. Just, and Lisa, just what she mentioned when she's talking about trenches, building trenches so deep, all you see are the sides. That is point number three. It's how status quo happens because you get into a market and you go deep into it and you start to just work it, work it, work it, and you sort of you stop asking yourself questions about what others doing. I mean, when I think what a lot of companies. Um, and I wrote a LinkedIn post about this. Is is that and it said something to the effect of that the the difference between the innovator and the business person that that can successfully take something and commercialize it is that um, the inventor um, creates the functionality. The the successful business person takes that one little piece of successful functionality, envisions envisions it. In um, in a use that might have a couple of different things applied, and it's through the lens of their target customer, and so they're cobbling all these things together. And I think what you're referencing is with this trench, is you start to lose that outside perspective. All you see are the walls. Yes. And it becomes harder and harder to see what others are doing, and so all you see is what you're doing. And then you say, "How do we grow next year?" Well, let's do what we did last year. Yep. Not so good. All right. That is the status quo. People think it's risk-free. It is not. All right. So why does this happen? And why is it so sticky? 
Well, I think that people tend to over-intellectualize strategy. They make it so difficult and they forget that strategy really doesn't have to be hard. In fact, the easier you map out your strategy, not easier, but the better. The yes, I mean if you map your strategy out in a simple way that people can follow and understand what everyone on the team is working towards, you're going to get more done. Yeah. But we I, don't do that. No, I think a lot of strategy is done with with um, big concepts and big words. And often what you can find is you, people will say um, they need to explain what they meant by their strategy. And it's a classic sign that you've done exactly what you're talking about. You have, you have overthought this. You've, you've just, and nobody understands what you mean. In fact, you probably, if you look back, if you look back, you probably would say, I don't even understand what we mean by that. So that's a, that can be a big problem, you know? So the second is because of the first, because of the first. Well, you're not engaging people emotionally. And this is a big one for me because I think when you over-intellectualize strategy, we forget that people will go where you lead them and do what you want them to do, but they have to buy in emotionally. You can't just say, this is it, go here. They have to understand the emotional reasons why you're asking them to yeah, do so what, what you're doing. So what you just said, when you were talking about mapping this down, okay, when you, when you make it so intellectual and so complex and so heady, as the, as the leader of your organization, you feel really, really good when you get it out of your head and you, and you present that PowerPoint and it takes 30 minutes or an hour and there's, you feel great. You're relieved because you got it off your shoulders. Your team has no idea what in the heck you just said because you use words that they don't use every day. You've been thinking about it and planning for it for about 12 months. They haven't been in your head. And so within 30 minutes or an hour, it's a lot of want, 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 and they don't understand it. And they certainly don't know how to apply it to what they do every day and why they were hired. And then they certainly aren't emotionally involved into the strategy. But if you took a little time and you did map it out and you did say, here's your part and this is where we're going, this is the future, and then said, this is your part, oh my gosh, the ownership, they would take they would take it and run with it, but people don't do that. No, they don't. And the last, oh, this one, this one drives me crazy. Me too, because it, status quo is sticky because people defend their market share, which means if you're number one or two or whatever number you are and you're defending market share, it means you are not looking forward. You are looking at the past. Yes. And Lisa just said she cannot read what we were going to read. So this well, because is, I can't see right, it. So this came from a, um, a podcast, took some notes here, and it says a lot of businesses where they were, have a very significant market share don't often succumb to the number two or the number three competitor. 
because they've all of a sudden gained, gained 10 or 15 points in the market share. So a lot of companies feel like their fear is that number two or three is going to all of a sudden catch up. And what, what this podcast, what this guy was saying is like, no, that's not what happens. It's because you become so invested in defending the status quo that you don't see something coming that will fundamentally change the terms of value that the customer experiences and in ways in which they can consume that value. And so it's that sort of disruptive change that causes you to fundamentally move the pivot line. And then no matter how much you try to defend your market share, it's like sand running through your hands. I love that. It's just a little too late. I think, and again, bankers. So remember paper checks? Uh, what do you mean, remember them? I still I yeah. deposited one today. Yeah, but how often do you really write a check? I try not to. See? Yeah. So banks kept saying, well, everybody will always write checks. And then came Venmo. Mm. Why would they say that? Because I think people felt like it was more secure and we didn't understand the technology that okay. was involved okay. and okay. things like that. Again, it was we were entrenched and all the other banks mm. were doing mm. it. Mm. And then, you know, so P2P payments came into being like a Venmo and all of a sudden banks are like, wait, whoa, when did that happen? Well, before there was Venmo, there was PayPal. Right. Yeah, but so pay, they, they ne people like never really, you know, pay. Yes, PayPal was the first indication that banks should like stick their head yeah, up hey, out of the trench. Hey, hey things are changing. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of people on eBay that aren't writing checks to one another. Right. So yeah, it's, God, it's so interesting. And you know what I find interesting is how strong and how much time people spend defending the market share. They spend so much time defending the old way. Like, when, oh, definitely. When, and then they say, well, our strategy is in the next five to ten years we'll be... No, we have to move faster than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to evaluate things. So, And then inevitably they just stay where they are anyway. Mm. All right, so, so, but we've got, some, we've got some takeaways for you. Yes. And these are things... What you can do about the status quo. I love this. Heard it on a podcast. It's actually the same podcast where I just read that uh, bit of information. And this, what this guy does, of course, he, he does risk rating for a living. And he says, you know what we did for our company? Instead of just uh, placing a risk on new and different opportunities that we had to take and saying, how risky would that be? He said, we risk rated the status quo. Okay. I need to understand how one risk rates the status quo. Well, I'm I'm not a um, modeler of risk, and so uh, with that said, I'm making this up. Nice. You like that? Excellent. I, I just like the that, fact that you admitted that you're about to you, make this up. You, 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 so I should have just said it with confidence. You said, should have. But I didn't want to be like people say. Well, you said. Oh, excellent point. Listen to the pot. No, I, I listen to the podcast. Yeah. did anyway. Anyway, <laughs> so what he did. So, but well, let's think about it. Let's use an example. Think about if you're a bank because we've talked a lot about banks. Um, think back over the last five years. How much market share would you have lost if your bank didn't have the ability? to um, deposit a check by taking a picture of that check on your phone. Oh, so that makes sense. So what what's the risk if we don't move into remote deposit capture? Yeah. Or, and just yeah. and just so what he's saying is 
when you when you and it's really less about that rating being right. What he says, and he has another great quote that I love. He says, "All models are wrong, and some are useful." And, so, and that is such an accurate so, statement. So the point is, like when you risk rate your status quo, it's not like it's actually going to be right. But the point is for your team to emotionally engage and understand that there is a risk in the status quo. They have to understand and be able to reflect back like, wow, had we not done that three years ago or four years ago, which seemed risky at the time and it was a pain in the neck. Had we not done that, we would have lost market share. So that's point number one. Point number two, Lisa. Look for language that reaffirms your status so if you're using the wrong language this is kind of like you might be a redneck if yeah well right? most of our yeah. most of our podcasts <laughs> are are a lot like that uh, you might be stuck in the status quo if yeah so the language could be something like um we are the market leader instead of we lead the market and it's so subtle. Or we are leading the market. Yeah. Isn't it we are leading the market? Like, instead of, like instead of, it, instead of as, claiming a solid fact, as in we are, it's more we're striving, right? Well, no, it's, it's actually the opposite. It's saying we are instead right. of instead we of, lead. Yeah, no, no exactly. We're saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that sort of language that it's, um, it's pat yourself on the back kind of language. If you look for that and you start to notice it, that plus this defensive um, nature, this defensive posture, and then relying on what we did last year to grow, signs that you're, you've got a culture that believes the status quo is risk-free and it's a safe spot to be. And it's not. So the last thing is constantly look for new ways to add value. We always say this, focus on the target customer, focus on their needs, look for those ways to add value, and you will constantly be challenging the status quo. Because your target customer is always, always, always looking for new value. It's your job to bring it. Well said. Yeah. All right, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.